0: Hear my prayer, Lord, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke, my bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withers like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I'm like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake, I've become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me, those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken taken me up and thrown me aside My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord, the Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high from heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death so the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy. I'm the Children's and Youth Minister here at St Jude's. uh, And it's great to see everyone again after being on holidays. And uh, if this is the first time you're here, I'd love to meet you after. There's a few new young people's faces that I'd love to meet after the service today. Big question for us today. uh, Who do you cry out to when you're in the depths of despair? or when you are confronted with mortality, when you feel that your time is running out. When I was about 14 or 15 years old, uh, I remembered uh, a time when I was confronted with mortality for the kind of the first time for someone else my age. I turned up in the morning uh, to school, I was walking to my first classroom for the day and a friend rushed towards me and I could tell there was something immediately wrong. Um, And her first words to me was, Amy was hit by a car last night. Now she wasn't talking about me. My best friend at the time was also called Amy. Uh, Just to confuse everyone, but as soon as she said those words, everything just seemed to slow right down for me as I processed what she said. She went on. She's okay. <sighs> relief. Uh, she just sort of like bounced off the car and her arm is broken, but that's it. It was, it was a hit and run. She'll be back tomorrow. Uh, it, it was deep, sweet relief to hear those words that she was okay. Uh, but in that split second moment, I had moved from thinking my best friend is dead to, oh gosh, she's alive. She's just hurt. Uh, And in those following seconds, I I took a deep breath, I closed my eyes, and I thanked God that she was okay. And then this Bible verse flashed before my eyes. Uh, It was a a verse in the Bible that I'd read like exactly a week before, and I didn't know why it, it had stuck out to me at the time. And the words were, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's from Romans 14, verse 8. And in that moment when I was confronted with the possibility of uh, the death of a friend, the same young age as me, it was these words that the Spirit reminded me of. If my friend really did know Jesus, it would be okay. And for me, I did know Jesus, I did believe in him, and so in that moment I was secure that knowing anything that happened to me it was okay because I belonged to the Lord. If I live, then I live for Jesus. And if I die, I die for him and I enter eternal life. So in my teenage mind, all good. Uh, The thing that amazes me still about this memory is that in that moment of crisis, my mind and spirit turned to God for help and he answered with that Bible verse. So what about you? Who do you turn to when you are faced with despair, illness, the unknown, or any other difficult circumstances? Perhaps you've been confronted with our own mortality uh, as a human race this year, as we witness uh, the number of COVID deaths tick over 2 million. Uh, Perhaps you feel this in an ever-changing world. Who do you turn to? Who do you cry out to? So today, as we have a look at this psalm, Psalm 102, we will see that there is a person here in great distress. They are confronted with their own mortality. Uh, His big problem is that he knows his days are numbered and time is running out for him in this world. In this situation... Uh, This person cries out to God, and in doing so, he turns to praise the eternal king, reminding us to fix our eyes on the God who does not change, who rules forever, and who is compassionate towards his people. Now, we don't know who wrote this psalm, uh, but we do helpfully know why they wrote it in uh, the little introduction at the start. Uh, It tells us that this psalm is a prayer for an afflicted person who's grown weak. So, we're thinking someone who's been sick for for some time uh, and they're towards the end of their life. They are pouring out a lament, otherwise known as a complaint, before the Lord. And with this little introduction, uh, this psalm helpfully becomes a model for the following generations to use as it is, uh, if they don't have the words to say themselves, or as a model to adapt to their own particular situation. And so for us, this psalm is actually a bit like a gift to us uh, here and now. Uh, It's a prayer that we can also use uh, to adapt uh, as we cry out to God when we ourselves are weak or sick or afflicted in another way. It's a prayer that we can use together as a church on behalf of our brothers and sisters who might not have the words to say in those circumstances. And it's a reminder for us as we go into yet another uncertain year to lift our eyes to the unchanging eternal God and King. Uh, This psalm is kind of broken into three main parts, and so we're going to have a quick look at each part in term. Uh, The first one, verses 1 to 11, if you've got your Bible with you, the cry to God. Uh, The second part, verses 12 to 22, we'll have a look at the compassionate king and the future reality we have. And the third part, uh, verses 23 to 28, the eternal king. And keep your Bibles open or on your device or if you've got a hard copy with you so that you can follow along. Now, the first part, uh, this prayer starts with this cry to God in verse 1 and 2 to hear everything that they say. It's a cry of help in distress, and he's really hoping for a quick response. There's some urgency behind this. Uh, We know God's timing is not always on the same schedule as what we would like. Uh, And as we keep going, uh, we will see that the psalmist also knows this. Uh, But knowing that doesn't stop him from saying exactly what he wants to God, and nor should it stop us from saying what we need to God as well. In verse 3, we see that the big problem he's wrestling with is that his days vanish like smoke. So possibly near the end of his life, this person does not want it to end just yet. They are suffering and in distress his bones hurt in verse 3, his heart is weak, he forgets to eat in verse 4, he's ravaged by loneliness in verse 6, and he's having sleepless nights. On top of that, uh, he's surrounded by enemies in verse 8, and there's a deep sadness that rests upon him as he mourns with ashes and uh, describes as like drinking his own tears in verse 9. Imagine for a moment that uh, you contracted a contagious disease that took the strength and energy from your body, but stole the breath from your lungs, and meant that you could not see your loved ones in your last days. And your sole companions were the doctors and nurses and the beeping machines that you were hooked up to. It's not really too hard to imagine the millions of people who may have cried out to God in similar prayers of lament in the last year, is it? People whose time uh, seems to have been cut short and whose days in verse 11 are like the evening shadow withering away like grass. Now for this, uh, this psalm, he uh, blames God for his situation. Have a look in verse 10. Uh, it's because of God's wrath. But his days are numbered and his time is cut short. That's what he's feeling. Uh, there's no reason given for this in the psalm. So there's no, like, specific sin to speak of. Just a lot of hurt and distress that's, that's described here. So where is this idea coming from? Well, it could just be that he's super frustrated with his situation. He's not well. Uh, doesn't feel like he has enough time. So he's lashing out at God. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, or perhaps he feels that like God is shortchanging him—the uh, borrowed time he's on. So he wants more days, and God is not giving it to him. Uh, we know our days are numbered. Uh, when God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden in an act of wrath and judgment, He numbered their days. They would no longer live forever uh, with access to the tree of life. So their days were cut short, and therefore the rest of humanity as well. So maybe, maybe he's referring to that sort of thing too. Who knows? We know, though, that we do have a beginning and an end. It's planned by God, but it is actually unknown to us. And so we wait, living our lives and looking forward to the day when we will have immortal bodies that do not wear out and we can live forever with our eternal God. But we're not there yet. We are still on borrowed time, all finite human beings. So whatever happens for us this year, whatever trials you might face, whatever illness or affliction you suffer now even, or that you might in the future, please know that you can cry out to God. He is the first person to turn to. Let this psalm be one of those ones that you stick in your back pocket to pull out when you need help to find the words to say to God. Uh, or one that you could give to a friend to help them speak what they need to God as well. Uh, And take comfort that you really can bear your soul to God and tell him what you really think. God is big enough, he is patient enough, he is kind enough to hear all that you have to say to him and still love you unconditionally at the end of it. He would do that for us. Now, the, the next section of this psalm, uh, verse 12 to 22, it changes tone completely, kind of like a, that awkward gear shift with a crunch. Um, we'll read from verse 11 to see this change in tone. Uh, the lament ends with that big reminder of the problem of numbered days. Verse 11, my days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like the grass. Verse 12, but you, Lord... Sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures throughout all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. Now, that's quite a dramatic change of tone from the crying out before. Uh, so, what's going on here? How do we just move from help me, God, to God rules forever? And what does all the stuff about Zion have to do with this? Well, the answer to his lament um, is both a comfort and challenge, and it lies somewhere in knowing who God is. He is a forever king who has compassion on his people. And that's why there is this change of time. So the big picture we have of God here is he is the Lord who sits on his throne. So that's where he rules from. His throne is in heaven, in verse 19. It's from heaven that he views the earth. And he rules over everything for how long? Forever. For eternity. So there's this huge contrast. God's days are not numbered. He is beyond time, our time, as is his reign. Our own da- days, by comparison, are but like this little blip on his radar of eternity. God who he is he is known throughout the generations that means that his character and his actions are passed down from generation to generation and knowing that history is what gives the psalmist so much confidence in saying to God you will have compassion on Zion for it is time to show her favor Now, if you don't know, uh, Zion is the place in the Old Testament that God chose for his temple to be built and where his people would come to worship him. Zion is Jerusalem. So God's people obviously held that place in very high regard. It had a special place in their hearts and in their history. And it's a place that they would all trek to each year to remember all that God had done for them. And worship him they would offer sacrifices there um, and it was the place that they recognized his rule over their lives so in a way it it was God's gift to them they could come into his presence in that place now when this psalm was written there were um, obviously things not good for Zion uh, with the mention of God needing to rebuild it in verse 16 Uh, But God promises repeatedly in the prophets that he will bring restoration, so he will rebuild Zion and all of the people will be able to gather in his presence again. So with all those promises, uh, this prayer is filled not only with the confidence of knowing someone who believes in all of the history of God acting on behalf of his people to save them in the past, but it also trusts God's promises for the future. promises to restore everything that's why he can pray god you will do this with such confidence because he believes it to be true and in line with who god is with god's character so three times he prays for god to act with compassion Uh, in verse 13 you will arise and have compassion on zion in verse 17 He will respond to the prayers of the destitute. And in verse 20, he will hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So with his time running out, the person who wrote this psalm wants to see restoration now in his time. He wants his suffering to end but also Jerusalem's to end. He wants Zion to be restored so that God's compassion is seen by everyone again and everyone everywhere will come to worship him in his presence once more. He even writes this psalm for a future generation in verse 18. It's so that a people not yet created may be praised, may praise the Lord, sorry. And so we see that even though he wants this prayer answered urgently, he recognises God's timing is not our own. A future generation is going to see this, not his. The Lord rules and reigns forever, and forever is a long time and means a long plan beyond our own generation. He trusts and believes that God will do this because God answering this prayer with compassion, answering it with a yes, will inevitably lead to God's praise. His glory will be shown to the world and everyone will come to worship him. That is God's end plan. We see that in verse 21 and 22. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. And when the people and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. That's the picture God also gives us in Revelation. In Revelation 21, uh, God promises he will make everything new. There will be a new Jerusalem. God will live with us and we will freely and joyfully worship him. We'll be free from sin, free from suffering, free from death. And when that happens we Will finally be on the same timeline as God's, living with Him for eternally and finally restored in new bodies and in full, complete relationship with God. And that day will be a very great day. So, with that end picture in mind, we can see that God doesn't change, He is our eternal King, compassionate and gracious. I think one of the great comforts of God being eternal and us seeing his character displayed and recorded for us in the Bible uh, is that we know God is compassion. He does listen to his people. He does act on their, be- on their behalf. He acts to rescue them. He acts so that they are free to worship him. And for us, that means God will listen to your cries for help. It might not mean that he answers them in your timeline but answer them he will in that last day when we are fully restored. Another comfort and perhaps a challenge for us here is that this person uh, shows us that it is possible to be in quite severe suffering and to still in that place be able to turn your gaze to see God working out his plan and offer him praise. That is not without frustration as we've already seen in this same prayer. Uh, But it does mean that we can offer praise to God even while being frustrated with our circumstances. And like this person, we can look forward to and trust in the promise for complete restoration. God and us together, forever. Our last section, uh, verses 23 to 28, looks at the eternal king. And this is like the prize at the end that uh, the person who wrote this fixes his eyes on to keep on persevering to the end. Uh, He reminds us that God is the author of time. He determines each person's days and he laments this again. Uh, this, This is... A real sore spot for him. Uh, He says in verse 23, in the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. And he goes on to plead with God for his life to be extended. He does want this. Verse 24, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. And yet despite that The next words lift our gaze to who God is and his magnificence. In verse 24, your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. So God is the only one that is permanent. Everything else is temporary. Even the heavens and the earth wear out like old clothes in comparison. But God is the one who stays the same in verse 27. His years will never end. And see who this God, this forever God, is committed to in that last verse. In verse 28, the children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. just, Just think about that for a second. Process that. This is what matters to God. The God who sits enthroned forever cares about his people. He wants them to be established forever in his presence. The God who never changes, he is working out this plan to ensure that all his people will live with him forever, beyond this worn-out world. God remains as will the people that he establishes forever. He is working to ensure that his people, the future generations who trust in Jesus included, are established before him, ready to worship him, as we saw in verses 21 and 22 earlier. We know that this includes us because these verses are later used to talk about Jesus in Hebrews, where he is the one who lays the foundations of the earth, and he is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who sits on the throne. It is Jesus that the author of Hebrews encourages his readers to fix their eyes on as the pioneer and perfecter of their faith, the one who's gone before us. So can I encourage everyone here today to fix your eyes on Jesus because knowing he is Lord and King, knowing he endured suffering to give you life with God forever as part of his people will help you endure your suffering now. When we have this picture of God in our mind, it seems ridiculous that we would do anything else but to cry out to him when we are in distress. But so often, God is not our first port of call. At the end of last year, I had the privilege of speaking to someone whose days were numbered, though we didn't realize it at the time. In our conversation, uh, she wanted to spend whatever time she had left, whether it was six weeks, six months, or another 10 years serving God and was looking for a way to do that with us. In that same conversation she told me she had cancer and she trusted God and she hoped and prayed for more time. For me that was a very humbling conversation but that was the thing she was most focused on doing. About six weeks later our sister Ruth went to be with our Lord. And as I look back on that now for me, Ruth embodied that verse from Romans that I spoke of at the start. Whether she lived or died, she belongs to the Lord. And she trusted that and she lived it. And like in this psalm, she is one who, uh, whose first port of call was God. She cried out to God for help and she fixed her eyes on Jesus. Jesus. If this psalm teaches us anything today, it is that God cares for his people and that you can cry out to him. Please use this this year to cry out to God in prayer. If you are someone who's been challenged today, uh, remember that this eternal God is working out his plan to establish his people forever, to live with and to worship him. And you are but one small part of that plan. With your life Live it to Christ. And if you need encouragement today, if you are in the depths of sorrow or if you are just struggling to keep up with the uncertainty of what the year ahead looks like, look up and fix your eyes on Jesus that he might encourage you to hold on to your faith. Let me pray for us. Lord God Almighty, thank you uh, for being eternal. Thank you that you are eternal and that we are not. Help us to trust you as king and your timing for our world. Help us to look forward to the day when we will worship you forever and enable us to persevere in faith until then. Through Jesus, our Lord. Amen.